0: It is a beautiful thing to hear all of your voices singing. It is well with my soul. That whatever suffering, sacrifice, hardship, pain we may endure... It is well with our souls because of what God has done for us on our behalf. This is awesome. It is awesome that we can sing that truly. Not empty words. These are our reality. So as you may have seen in your bulletin or heard Dave speaking in French, today is missions weekend. And we are taking a break from our series on Joshua to talk about missions. Uh, we've spent this weekend, uh, Pastor Nicholas Todd from LEFC, he's the director of, of mobilization there LEFC, is Lancaster Evangelical Free Church, which is the church that I came from. Anyway, he spent a lot of time talking, us, talking to us this weekend about missions, about our missionaries, about how to think about missions as we move forward, how do we communicate with missionaries, and so on. It's been incredibly edifying and encouraging and exciting. And now we as a church have the opportunity to recast vision for what we want missions to be, to support our missionaries, hopefully one day we can say, all over the world. Uh, And it's, it's a really exciting place where we are right now. And I'm excited to be joined with you in this building process. But this message from Psalm 98 is really not going to have anything to do with those strategic elements. This message is about why missions? Why why is it important? You know the vision statement of the church by now. I hope so. If you're a visitor, you certainly don't. The vision statement of this church is we do everything that we do, including missions, so that all people will know joy in God. We want all people to know joy in God. That's what this sermon is aimed at. How do we bring joy to all people, joy in God to all people? And so three things I hope will happen today as we go through this. First, this salvation that you have, that we just sang about, that we said we would endure any suffering and say, it is well with my soul because of this salvation. That salvation is for all people. And missions is a product of this salvation. One, this salvation is for all people. And two, missions is a product of that salvation. The thing, third thing, I, I would love it if it happened today, and this is only by the work of the Holy Spirit, is that in your heart, joy would spring up from these words that, we just, well, that we we're about to read. A joy would spring out of these words. Let's read them. These are amazing. These are amazing nine verses. Oh, sing to the Lord, a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel and to the ends of the earth and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And now we have to pray, Father, how marvelous these words and how ill-equipped we are to, to receive them. And so I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would open our hearts to receive them, every one of us here and you would rivet us by the beauty and the majesty of your salvation that you have worked out in the precious blood of Jesus. Do this in us, I pray. God, would you use my words, my fragility, my frailty uh, to, to do eternally important things. We Love you, and we know we need to love you more. We enjoy you, and we know we need to enjoy you more. Do it. And may we be motivated to go even to the hardest places on this planet to share that joy and that love with all people. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. So from the first word in Psalm 98 to the last... This is exaltation. This is abundant joy, overflowing, trumpet blasting praise. Song issues forth from the very first words. The psalmist, he's he's no longer able to contain himself, it's just bursting out of him. Worship needs to be released, it has to be released. This flood of joy that's pouring out of, out of him, it does not have his, its source in the psalmist, in the writer. But in the marvelous things that God has done. Look again at verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Marvelous things. Marvelous is the world around us. Marvelous are the mountainous heights and Marvelous is the vastness of the sea and Marvelous is a dark night illuminated by fireflies and stars and Marvelous is the intricacy of a human life. Marvelous are his works. He has created all of these things. And Marvelous is the salvation that God has worked with his right hand. It is his holy arm And no other, all false gods are put to shame before the true and living God. In his right hand, he holds no weapon, and yet he crushes sin and death. What a salvation. A salvation where we, who were God's enemies, were not struck down, but were given mercy Instead, he was struck down. Christ, living perfectly without sin, was struck down. Crushed so our sins would be crushed. He died so we could live. Marvelous is this reality. Yes, through Jesus Christ, the salvation that the psalmist writes about Hundreds of years before, in Jesus, this salvation is fully, most profoundly, most precisely revealed. Verse 2, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. The salvation of the Lord has been made known. It is not hidden. It's not secret. It's not mysterious. It's made known for all people is righteousness to see for all people okay a question what is righteousness we hear this word a lot in our bibles righteousness and i think oftentimes we associate this with some sort of piety that a christian might have some sort of churchiness What is righteousness? Righteousness is this intermingling of mercy and justice, perfectly balanced and held together. Mercy is freely given, abundantly given. The nature of mercy is that it isn't deserved. It's it's a gift. It's given when it isn't deserved. We've all been to the hospital and we've all incurred Expenses at the hospital, and they pile up super fast. Imagine you owe a hospital $100,000. I don't have $100,000 in a bank account. If you do, well, I guess if you do, you know, tithe some more. Um, (laughs) I think most of us don't. Uh, have that kind of money sitting around. And if we owe that to a hospital, we know that if we don't pay that $100,000 in, in the terms that they're demanding, we face consequences. We face jail time, potentially. Right? And so we, we write letters, we call people, we try to get some forgiveness. Imagine if that hospital were to wipe away that $100,000 debt entirely. Like, wouldn't that not be amazing and stun you? the mercy that you have been given, I imagine your debt be infinitely more. How sweet the mercy when it's forgiven. Yeah, but mercy unhinged leads to injustice, doesn't it? Or people who deserve punishment don't receive it. If everything is mercy, then murderers and Womanizers and slave traders and neglectful parents and liars and the lazy never receive punishment, never receive just consequence for their behaviors. So justice and mercy must be coupled, must be married. Where sin is accounted for. Where wrongs are righted. Where what is hidden into the dark is brought into the light. That is righteousness. Where justice and mercy are married. And perfect balance. And we're going to continue talking about what that looks like. You see, our situation, as, as I alluded to, our situation is absolutely desperate. We are in a terrible position when we're born. We desperately need somebody to act in mercy on our behalf for the justice of God is devastating. Psalm five says, David writes, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. You know, and what's true of David is true for me and you. From the moment you are born, you're broken. You're a broken creature, born into sin. And, and it's not just that you were born this way. You lived this way. You chose to agree with that. You, you're, you're proud. We're proud and lustful and selfish and angry and so on. We know that about ourselves. We choose to live that way. We're born into the brokenness. We live in the brokenness. And so our just punishment for this rebellion against God, you know it. It is death, eternal death. You're born condemned. And so if you have any sense at all, you have to cry mercy. God have mercy. And verse 3. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of of our God. You know, the Hebrew word for steadfast love here can be translated as mercy. God has remembered His mercy and faithfulness. No, not that He's forgotten it. But that in our desperate need for His mercy, He was moved to compassion. The mercy and the faithfulness of God compels God not to leave us there, bound in our shackles of sin, doomed to face the eternal consequences. No, He has done a marvelous thing. He has done a marvelous thing, the cross, where God's justice and mercy collide on the Lamb that was slain in place of the rebellious sinner. Justice satisfied by the blood of Christ. Mercy given to every sinner who would believe it. Righteousness on display for the world to see. Do you know that? The cross is the loudest shout of God's righteousness into the universe. There is no conceivable way that the righteousness of God could be conveyed better. Go to Romans 3, please, in your Bibles. Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. And what you are seeing when we read these words is what an infinite mind has conceived to show you, human, what justice and mercy is. To show you salvation. Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Listen, this was to show God's righteousness Because in his divine forbearance, he passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Oh, you see all of the elements there, don't you? Jesus was the propitiation by his blood. What is that? It was you and me that should have been up on that cross. It was you and me. You have done nothing that would deserve this. That the perfect Son of God would hang on the cross for you. And bear the shame and the agony and the separation that came with it. That was for you. And instead Christ took it. And then what is perhaps more amazing is that that perfectness of the Son of God is given to you. Marvelous. A marvelous thing. Sin paid for by Jesus. Sinners given pardon and mercifully, mercifully given the goodness of Christ. Righteousness on display. The righteousness of God. I don't know if you heard it though. There was a condition. There is a condition. Believe. Have faith. Trust that Jesus did do this on your behalf. It's real. He did it. Believe it. This was done. These words that we read in this book from millennia ago, these things were done Marvelous things for your eternal life. That God might get the praise. When, we, when you read Romans 3, and he, Paul is summing up why all of this happens, on the cross, why it all happens, he says, this was to show how amazing you are. No, no. This was to show the righteousness of God. Your salvation is to show the righteousness of God because of what happened on the cross, because it's real. It's a marvelous thing that He has done, that He has worked. Believe it. And in you believing in that and entrusting your life to it, God's righteousness is on display. Where You could say, God is glorified. But hear me. This salvation is not for your eyes only. This is not something you read and it self-destructs, and that's it. This is not for your eyes only. You cannot keep this gospel within these walls. This is a gospel, right? This is the good news. This meant is meant to go to all places, from Cornhill to Tajikistan. It's meant to go everywhere, and fill the earth. God did this for all people. This is what all people need, more than they need food, and more than they need health care, and more than they need aid, and more than they need the internet. They need this good news. So provide those other things. And show God's righteousness when you do it. Serve people that they might see the salvation of the Lord. Live self-sacrificially so that people can see and understand how you value what happened on the cross. Live self-sacrificially so the worth of the cross means something. You know, evidence of your faith, of your belief in Jesus Christ, that this is working in you, evidence of that is your mouth speaking the gospel. Is your life living the gospel? Is you telling other people what Christ has done in your life? It's you going to other places, uncomfortable situations, to let people know about Jesus, this one who saves. That's evidence of your belief. Okay, but sharing that gospel, it's not meant to be drudgery. It's not meant to be obligation. You don't do it out of duty. The the salvation that God has accomplished in you should cause your heart to erupt with joy, to explode. This is an overflow, joy flowing out of you like rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Imagine rivers of living water flowing from a single point. All the area around it would be flooded. And that, I think, is what the psalmist is telling us. Look at verses 4 through 6 again. This is rivers of living water springing out of his heart. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Your salvation and righteousness is causing the whole earth to lose themselves in this praise and this abundance of worship. The earth and everything within, with song and music, with shouts and trumpet blasts. This is what salvation renders in the heart who has received it. So this expression of joy might seem foreign to you. It might seem like, well, this guy's writing in the Bible, so it's going to be amazing. No, the salvation that God has worked for you is supposed to do this in your heart. And the more that we bask in that salvation, the more that we meditate on what Christ has done for us, the more that's going to spring out of us. How can the gospel not go forth with this kind of glorious exaltation? All God's people singing praise. God's salvation and righteousness on the lips of the redeemed. This is how the salvation of God, the gospel is to go to the nations. Like, this is the strategy. With joy, with praise, with worship, with loudness, with gladness. When you're filled with joy, you cannot contain it. So it, it has to be expressed. It has to come out. I think you know that. We experience these things. Imagine if you have just watched a movie and it deeply, it deeply moves you, stirs something in you. What do you do? You want to share that with somebody. Imagine that somebody gives you a gift. And, and in the giving of that gift, you know that that person really gets you you get excited and you want to share that with somebody you want to go find that person and and say thank you so many times for me if i stand at some beautiful place and I, the, the views are majestic i want to stand there with somebody and look at it together and this isn't this amazing i just was up in in the mountains with a, a couple guys And as we were walking down from some amazing views, we began to sing. And that's weird. But it's awesome. It's awesome. So when your team wins a championship, what do people do? Because you're filled with joy in those moments. Something needs to be expressed. Something needs to come out. And that, to a degree even greater, is what happens in our hearts when we are forever changed by the marvelous work of God. We share what He has done. Because God has planned it. Because God has initiated it. And because God has accomplished it. What have you done, O man or woman, to save yourself? As much as you have done in birthing yourself. And so when you realize what God has done for you, joy erupts. And it makes a volcano look small. Joy erupts out of your heart. What he has done... flows out of you in praise, and God is glorified as your heart is erupting in joy because of his work in you. And so what that means, therefore, is sharing the gospel with your neighbors, with your friends and with your family, and with people that you've never met in different cultures and different languages. Sharing that gospel is worship. Sharing what God has done to those who have not heard it should be and is a natural response to receiving the gospel. So if everything is left behind, if friends and family and comfort and familiarity are left behind to further share that news of salvation, then how great the salvation must be. How important this news that you bear Listen, if the joy of the gospel is greater than your sacrifice or your suffering, then how much more powerful is it going to be to those that receive it? If you are showing people that nothing in this world compares to the news of the gospel, how much more important, valuable, is that gospel going to be to them who hear So, on the converse of that, on the flip side, if you and I have received the good news, if if we've accepted the salvation that was purchased by God's own blood, if we have received this and we keep it to ourselves, we sin. We live in sin. If you never feel compelled to share the gospel or the joy of the gospel, you never feel compelled to let that out, you don't understand the gospel. And if you feel that that's harsh right now, good. Look again at the gospel. Look again at what Christ has done. The primary reason For your salvation is not your salvation. It's that God might be glorified, might be shown as righteous, that his name might go out to the nations. So cry out to God that he would show you his faithfulness, his mercy, and his justice on that cross, that you would see it afresh, that it would stir in your heart something new, that it would open your mouth to speak to the people around you. Repent, and open your mouth. But you know what, what's great? that even if you fail to speak these truths, if you fail to praise God, to let this joy out, to worship Him in this way, then he says the rocks are going to cry out. He doesn't need you to do it. The rocks will cry out and. Uh, Honestly, I think that's what the psalmist is telling us here as well. Let's look again at verses 7 and 8. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy. You know, so they're doing that. They are an expression of the God who created them. But we can't let our voices fail for the hills and the seas to do it. Instead, let us join in this song of all creation that Jesus Christ, this man from Lazarus, came from heaven bringing righteousness and salvation to the world. So we travel over the seas and over the hills to carry this good news. Let the whole earth Be filled with the revelation of God's righteousness, and you know the way that God has appointed for this to happen—that the whole earth would be filled with His righteousness and His salvation—is by your mouth and my mouth. If God wanted to, very easily He could illuminate the clouds, and like a news broadcast, we would see Jesus on the cross, and there'd be a commentary about what's happening, and maybe. Romans 3 would be read for us from the skies. But God has not done that. Instead, the news broadcast is in you. You're the broadcaster, you're the representation, the ambassador, the light, the salt. You. Acts 1 8 says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I know that Jesus was talking to the disciples right there. I know that that's for those people, right? Them, not me. That's where I disagree. Yes, for you, he spoke this for all of us today, that we would be his witnesses in the Mohawk Valley and in New York and in America to the ends of the earth. And we can't be lazy about it. You cannot be lazy about it. And America and its comfortabilities and its securities wants you to sit in your seat silently. But you can't be lazy about it because millions of people every every day are dying unto eternal death with with endless age upon endless age of hopelessness, 10,000 years, but the first breath in the eternity of death. And I feel like that should sober us way more than it does. But you and I know where there's hope. Think about the person you know. Who doesn't know. Think about them. Think about the millions of people on this planet who have never heard the name Jesus. Jesus. And there's nobody living there who's going to tell them. And God has appointed it that the way they would know is not from a news broadcast in the sky. It's from you and from me. Every human being is racing towards this day of judgment. Verse 9 says, For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. He comes. This is amazing and wonderful and devastating and terrifying. To all who have rejected the salvation of God, eternal conscious death. To all who have received the good news of Jesus, eternal life and joy. So, this judgment that's coming. I'll tell you about what's amazing about this coming judgment. To you who believe. It's wonderful news, and it should fill your hearts with praise again that you could go through Psalm 98 with even louder joy. Because it's amazing what is coming with God in the clouds. It's amazing what is coming. God does not deal life and death arbitrarily, but he judges with justice and with mercy. In righteousness, he offers salvation to any who would receive it. So we are in a desperate situation, right? And he offers, he makes a way for us to go from death to life. And so if we have believed, then to life we will go. Eternal, joyful, unending, infinitely increasing joy in the glory of God's grace. For endless age upon endless age. It's beautiful. He offers that th- this salvation. Justice, though is not only about separating the sheep and the goats. It's not only about heaven and hell. Justice is about righting every wrong. So for you who believe this is amazing, every child that was hurt by their parents will be healed by their eternal father. Every person to know starvation will be filled. Every person that was rejected and neglected will know the love of God. Every hateful word that was said behind your back will be brought into the light. Every lie will be revealed. Every unseen good work that you have done, that nobody's acknowledged, will be rewarded. Every place where you knew need in your life, you will know abundance. Every prayer that you've spoken and you've wondered what has happened with this prayer will find its final answer. All that work and all that striving and all of that struggling will finally find its rest as you are united to the Lamb. That is the justice of God for the redeemed. That is why our God is a righteous God. And that is when we, why we, when we look at His coming judgment, we can rejoice and we can say, would the rivers clap their hands and the hills sing for joy because our God is coming in righteousness to judge the earth and make all of these horrible wrong things that we endure right. Praise God. Amos 5 24 it says, let justice roll down like waters, and righteous, like, righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. How we need our judge to be righteous. How good it is. God has made it marvelous. Mm. So sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Let us go with our mouths filled with praises for this God who saves, for Christ the King who died in our place and gave us his righteousness. Christ crucified and risen. And therefore, Fletcher crucified and risen. Let all people rejoice. Let us carry this message To the ends of the earth, near and far, so that all people will know joy in God. Brother and sister, open your mouth to this gospel. And we thank you, Father, for the gospel, for what you have done, these marvelous things that you have done. Would you fill our hearts with a joy inexpressible, perhaps like we have never known before in our life? That we would go from here rejoicing and expressing, and the people around us, the nations, our friends and our family would see that joy in our hearts and say, I want that. I hunger for that. I want life. May we be that. And we need you to work in us, to change us, to help us remember your marvelous works. And we can only come to you and say these things right now because of Christ crucified and risen. In him him we hide, in his name we pray. Amen.